Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Welcome in, boys and girls, to another episode of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my main man, career advisor extraordinaire, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? As you all know, we have four major pillars to our show, and one of them is learning from crazy successful people and figuring out what they did, what hurdles they overcame, and the things that they're doing that everyone else might not be doing. So today, we're bringing you a business and thought leader edition. We're interviewing Matthew Yeas. Matthew has some phenomenal experience, and I would even go as far to call him a master of scaling. In his past, he's been the CEO of an e-commerce company, which produced over $5 million in annual revenue. And I know what you're thinking. That sounds amazing. But what he found out is he was miserable. He didn't have any time. He's working 14-hour days. He just basically didn't have a life. So what did Matt do? He ended up hiring an executive from the Philippines, and he made her his chief of staff so he could live a better life. Interesting concept. So Sergio, I know you talked to me and you're like, hey, we got to get Matthew on. He's got some great and valuable insight. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, excited to bring Matt on. I think he's got a really good presence on LinkedIn also, just valuable content. And as we think about this new post-COVID world, the idea of being able to scale and pivot and know how to kind of work through these storms, I think he's someone who's been through so many different life experiences across a number of businesses. I'm just excited to talk to him and pick his brain. Yeah, no, man, stoked. You know, we talk about money, but we've said many times on this show that time is your most valuable asset. It's eroding each and every day. And we all need to start looking at it like it's our most valuable asset. I think when you look at what Matt's done, he has been able to create not just a successful business, but a successful life by managing his time. And for a lot of us, I know you're thinking, you know, well, maybe I'm not an entrepreneur. Obviously, if you are an entrepreneur, you're interested in business, you definitely need to turn into this episode. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're working a nine to five and you're just overworked and your company is just putting so much on you. This is also going to be a great episode for you to get that mindset of how you can start leveraging your time better and how maybe your company can start leveraging time, right? So before we go to the break, make sure you like our show, share us. If you got a question for Matt, Sergio, myself, or attorney Matt McElroy, make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to be with Matthew Yeas. Welcome back into the Fruit Tyree Show. We're sitting down with Matthew Yeas. Matthew, how are you doing today, man? Great, Lee. How are you doing today? We are so stoked to have you, man. We know you got the tips, the tricks, the magic to create a better life. So we are both equally stoked to have you on. And I know I gave the listeners an intro on what you do, but why don't you tell us 
what is it that you do and give us a little background on the experience. I'd love to hear from you. Sure. So my company, Accenture Team, we are a virtual assistant agency, but we're focused on high performers. So mid-career professionals that help entrepreneurs and business owners get out of the day today and scale their team make sure that they don't have to work 14 hours a day. They can work three and focus on growth, which is what every entrepreneur should be focused on. My story is, look, I was not a born entrepreneur, middle-class upbringing from New York, ended up working for some consulting companies, went to business school, worked for more consulting companies. And then along the way, I actually met someone who changed my life. In the 2008, I got laid off. He was my client at the time. He said, forget your company, come work for me on the Chicago 2016 Olympic bid. And from there, I started my entrepreneurial journey. But you know, it started with a little chaos, right? And I think my current company started with a little chaos. Through the years, I've done a number of different businesses from a restaurant chain to an e-commerce business to now the virtual assistant agency. And it's been the typical entrepreneurial roller coaster. Did you say you had a hand in the 2016 Olympic bid? Uh, for Chicago 2016. For Chicago. Yeah, we were not successful. How did that even come about? What were you doing? What were you, what were you focused on? Yeah, I was assistant to the vice chair, just helping the vice chairman with special projects. Kind of like his own private consultant, but it was a massive effort. It was really fun though. I mean, you get to work on something really meaningful. The Olympics, right? You think that it's like this thing on TV, right? But when you're actually trying to bring it together and you understand who these people are, what they do, who is an Olympian? I never met any Olympians. It was just a really incredible, impactful experience. So restaurant, e-commerce, virtual assistants. I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to find a pattern here, Matt, but I mean, I don't know. You're throwing me from many loops here. A lot of curveballs. So how, how did you go from A to E to Z? It's a, it's a little more, uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. That's the thread. I, I, I like it. I like inflicting pain on myself. No. So here's the pattern. So the guy who I met at the Chicago 2016 Olympic bid was a very, very senior executive or former senior executive in the restaurant business. We lost the bid. I went back to consulting. He tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, this guy's pitching me on a big idea. I want you to come in and give me your opinion. And so I did that. And through that, he asked me to come on board. I had zero restaurant experience, but he needed someone who can get stuff done. So he tapped me, you know, guy like that says, you want to start a restaurant business? I had concerns. You just say yes. And then I just jumped in. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did that for four years, scaled it for 14 locations, six States. Then I left, did some short stints in Silicon Valley. And through that, I ended up working at a company that was a virtual assistant company in the United States. So it's outsourced executive assistance. I was there for a hot minute. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there at the tail end before they ran out of money. In the meantime, I bought an e-commerce business because I just believed in myself probably more than I should have. And I said, ah, I like e-commerce. It's interesting. I was selling on eBay. Bought the e-commerce business, jumped in, burned the boat. That's it. Took massive loan. Just did it. Did that for a bunch of years. And through that, I started, it was a fully onshore team. Then through attrition and otherwise became an offshore team. But I started with really low level, entry level people out of the Philippines, which is what is typically done. It culminated with me hiring someone to run the entire business out of the Philippines. I don't know anyone that has done this before. And I just said, I'm going to go hire someone amazing. Get an executive. There has to be an executive. I was very lucky. Spent like two months. I was very lucky. But within six weeks, I went from 14 hours a day to three. Now Ooh, I work maybe, wow. yeah, maybe I work two hours a week on the business. That's it. And a week? A week. Did you say Is a week? Yeah. I don't run the business. She runs it for me. That's it. What, what do I have to do? I'm so envious right now. 
What do I do? Okay. <laughs> what am I actually doing? My job is not to do work. So if she's doing all the work, my job is just to tell her what to do. Right. So my mind is blown right now. Yeah, Lee, you need you need to sign up with Matt. You can sign up with him today. <laughs> so wait, she was chief of staff to a 100 person company in the Philippines. I hired her to run a six person company. That's the level of talent to a client, maybe 17 an hour, something like that. 17 to 18. Gosh, fully reasonable. Right? Very. And you're reasonable. getting and you're getting quality work. Yeah. So good that in the pandemic, so you, you said that the business was making five million a year, it was doing great, right? E-commerce is awesome, except if you're in one industry right now. That would be the wedding industry. Yeah, I mean, freight train, just boom. There's nothing I can do, right? It's just, it is what it is. And after kind of right-sizing and doing all these things, I said to her, I said, hey, can we get find more people like you? Everyone was amazed. So she said, yes. I said, all right, great. I tapped my network. Always, entrepreneurs, validate your concepts with people you know. Number one rule. If they're not going to buy, no one's buying. Liam and Sergio, you know this, right? Mm-hmm. I tapped my network. My first customer was my accountant. I found mm-hmm. him a great bookkeeper. And I just went from there. And like, now we're at 50 people. I started this in May in the pandemic. My goal is 100 people by September 1 and grow it to 1,000. Wow. I don't see why not. I mean, why not? And the, the whole focus is I don't go for low-level people. It's only people who add value. If they don't add value, we do not even entertain them. That was my journey. That's the very long story yeah. of a thread. But for the listeners, this wasn't a straight shot. Like I'm Mark Zuckerberg. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. I, my business exploded. <laughs> I got fired. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I, I just, I just, I'm like, all right, I'm just, you know, this is, hey, but I, that's I, a, Zuck, I like it. It's Zuck a realistic journey. Yeah. Yeah. Zuck is the outlier. He is definitely an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> you can't look at Zuck and be like, oh, that's the entrepreneur journey. That shit ain't real. But yours, but I, but- I, I love it. But isn't that what people tell you? Well, Mark Zuckerberg, and he just did this, and he's, no, he did, and he's one person, and he's one of the richest people on the planet. Yeah. You're not him, and neither am I. Exactly. Like, he's one yeah, out of a trillion right. people. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. You can still make plenty of money between me and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's plenty of money out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one thing I want to ask, man, is you had this journey you tapped into this another realm of talent that people aren't accustomed to. And you worked in the Silicon Valley. You know that the Silicon Valley has some of the brightest, smartest people, right? In just a geographical area, there's just some really intelligent people yes. in that city. How does your level of talent or the people that you know that you're working with, how does it compare to that? It, I would say it's different. First of all, I work with operations people. People who be your chief of staff, help you run your business, project managers, could be bookkeepers, telemarketers, not engineers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right away, that's not me. I think my people are phenomenal, but are they going to run Cisco or Salesforce? I mean, that could be CEOs of Salesforce. That's a different skill set. For most businesses to help offload tasks and help you run the day-to-day, you don't need a CFO or CEO or COO of Salesforce.com. Yeah. They are excellent at what they do, but they're excellent at what they do for the appropriate level of business. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I just placed someone who ran a 2,000 person division. 2,000 people reported this guy and he's to a client for $25 an hour. Wow. Think about that. So you can't get just phenomenal talent. Phenomenal. The guy had 2,000 people reporting to him. More people than I've ever had report to me. I was never that senior. So you start thinking about that. For 16 to 18 US to a client, 
they're going to get someone who can just take over most of the day-to-day tactical tasks. Strategic, that's not their job. Tactical is their job. Yeah, the everyday. I'm thinking like customer support. I know myself working in Silicon Valley, a lot of companies, including Facebook, we have presence in Philippines all over the place. So you'd be surprised. A lot of these day-to-day tasks are handled by people in those countries and outsourced. 100% Sergio. They have massive towers and all the biggest companies in the world are in the Philippines running 24 hours, three shifts a day. All I'm saying is do what they do for your small business. Just think like that. They're successful. More successful than all of us. Do what they do at a smaller scale. Yeah. So on your business, mm-hmm. how have you used and leveraged outsourcing to grow your business? Just, just to give people an idea of the different people and talent that you used. Sure. So I do not have one person in the United States who works for me. I have 10 people on my e-com business, six internal for my VA business. Everyone's out in the Philippines. That's customer service, bookkeeping, inventory management. My web developer's in the Ukraine, one person out of the Philippines. My chief of staff who, who runs operations for me. I have, I said my bookkeeper recruiting, my wow. client service manager, all my customer service, my e-com, my client executive for my VA business is in the Philippines. So she talks to all my clients and they love her. I think that is it. I've also placed for clients, telemarketers. Lee, you love telemarketers. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah, right? Telemarketers. On a previous podcast, I said I wanted to send them all to a deserted island and have them fight each other. That was a controversial issue, so I won't bring it up anymore. But think of it differently. So this is a Midwestern manufacturer hired one person and was so successful, they went to three within three months. Why? These people are calling existing clients, setting appointments for their salespeople, and they're cranking out the calls and killing it. Wow. They never had the time to do it. They always wanted to. It would be too expensive. Like in the United States, you know, labor laws, look, if it's not successful, they just eliminate the people. They just end the contract with us. So all of a sudden you can do all these test projects you never could. Hey Matt, so you mentioned most of your people are in the Philippines. Yeah. You have someone in Ukraine. How do you think about the team culture? The people that are in the Philippines, what do they feel in terms of, I work for this company? Like, how do you maintain that given that you're in the States, COVID, all the things? Yeah. So actually, Sergio, the interesting problem for the VA business, I'm actually working on the e-commerce business I've had for years. So it's more developed. Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is you need to have video calls. And so I was doing this before COVID. You have to talk to your people at least once a week. You do not do phone calls at all. You don't send emails. You want to talk to someone, you sit there, have a team call. You have nothing to say. Hi, nice to see your face, right? Mm -hmm. When I was managing the team, I would also have individual one-on-ones, either once a week or once every other week. See your face. I don't care if we have anything to talk about. How are your kids? How's your dog? What's going on? Got it. So you develop this rapport. When I want to ask someone something, I I just hit them up on Skype. That's it. We use Slack very heavily just to talk to each other. And the Filipinos will also talk to each other on Slack channels that I don't have access to, right? I don't care. Let them talk into Tagalog. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So you do that. This year, I was supposed to go there. 2020, I was supposed to go to the Philippines. Obviously, didn't do that. Hopefully, I'm going to do it in 2021. But the bigger challenge is now I have a very fast-growing agency. I've never met anyone. I started it with someone I never met. I never met any of my internal hires except for a video. And I never met in person any of the people I've hired. It's tough. Yeah. What we're trying to figure out is Slack is a big component because they can talk to each other in Tagalog without the boss and it's part of the culture there. So the employees can just talk. 
we did a Christmas party virtual. We were on the phone for a couple hours and we're going to start to do monthly events online, like virtual, just play a game, things like that, do prizes, just engagement. I mean, everyone's in the same situation. And then once COVID lifts, I will go to the Philippines a few times a year. That's great. Yeah. I love how you're taking the approach of making those Zoom calls a regular thing. So it makes you feel like you're part of a legitimate company. Even though we're not 20 miles away from each other in Silicon Valley, we are still having these regular calls. We're going to make it professional and structured. So I think that's interesting. I haven't heard anyone that was in outsourcing yeah. take it to that level, but I think that's important. Well, what happens is, especially with virtual assistants, I don't want to knock competition, but one of the reasons I started the business is because Filipino virtual assistants, and the one reason I get better people is they're treated poorly. I came in and said, I'm going to give you healthcare. Make sure you get vacation. I'm going to pay for your internet. I'll make sure you get days off. Nobody gives them these things. So all of a sudden, I mean, it's business, right? I get better people because they want to work for us. And I treat them with respect. I don't let clients treat them poorly. If there is, the client will be gone. I would fire a client if they treat my people poorly. That's just not acceptable to me. That's amazing. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, just take that approach, man. It's respect. I think, especially in the work that your people are doing, you know, a lot of the time it's not fun work. So all those little things that you're doing, Matt, it's going to go a long way. And you're probably already seeing that now. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, a typical virtual assistant will leave people three months to a year. I haven't had anyone quit in four years. Phenomenal. Mic drop right there. But, you know, listen, have I had to fire people? Yes, I had to fire people. But they're not quitting because I keep on upping the game and just treating them as if they were next door. I mean, in this world, who isn't a virtual assistant, essentially? What's the difference between Manhattan and Manila? Buenos Aires and Boston. What's the difference? Nothing. No one's going to an office. <laughs> they, mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> there's no difference. If you wrap your head around like small SMBs, you know, solopreneurs, up to, yeah, my largest client is 50 people. But if you wrap your head around, I just am going to get better people. That's it. I don't care where they are. And you free your mind up from the office and you institute a structure where I talk to them as if they're in the office. No difference. And then go meet them. You know, you can have them come here, you go there, whatever, when everything gets back to normal. But think of it like that. So let's think back to your beginning in a point where you were maybe stuck or you were struggling to grow. How did you solve it? What strategies did you take to get past those growth hurdles? So for my e-commerce business, it was more than this because this is so new. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go from zero to 50, you just, you grow. I mean, of course, there's been a week or two where we're like stuck or four weeks, but you're, you're growing, right? Mm -hmm. But for my e-commerce business, that's happened. Like it was, you know, I, I guess the audience can't see me do like one of the up and down line with my hands, but it was, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, four steps forward, one step back, or just no steps forward. Mm -hmm. Look what happened with the wedding business now. It got smacked by COVID. Yeah. I think what you do, honestly, if you're stuck with growth, talk to other experts. The thing is, most businesses, right, even my new business, I'm hiring different people, but staffing business has been around forever, right? There are mm -hmm. billion-dollar companies built in staffing. Talk to someone who knows more than you, more experienced, maybe even smarter. Maybe they're not smarter, but they have more experience. Just got to talk to people. Get out there. Be open. Any entrepreneur has failed. Maybe their business didn't fail, but they failed at projects, wasted money, been stuck at some point in their career. Every entrepreneur. Just talk to these people and be open and honest. It's not embarrassing if you're stuck. It's not embarrassing if you're having a hard time. This is just the deal. This is just part of the gig. I've read something recently that's, and I really like this quote, so I've been using it. Everyone needs to pay tuition. You don't just come in learning this stuff, right? Knowing it. 
You have to pay tuition. You have to make your mistakes. Uh, I've made a ton. I mean, I've lost a ton of money making mistakes. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. So you've had a lot of mistakes. You've lost a ton of money. It seems like you have the right mentality for it too. You, you seem like very positive. Talk to us about where <laughs> yeah. that comes from. Is it your upbringing? Is it being from, I know you mentioned New York. We're West Coast guys. I know on the East Coast, you guys are harder than us, right? You just <laughs> grind, you hustle, right? So where does that come from? I think part of it is growing up in New York, like just go forward. But I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. So that also helps. You know, if you want something, how to go earn it. But I think the New York attitude, definitely the hustle, go forward, just keep on doing it. Look, if they can do it, you can do it. Some of that is cultural, but it's in a lot of places in the United States as well, besides New York. Maybe it manifests differently, but that's all it is, right? I mean, you can say the same thing about people in Chicago, Detroit. I mean, a lot of cities around the country are just like that. Heck, even if, you know, you grew up in a farming community, think of how tough that is for you just, you know, to keep on going. For me, it was just growing up in New York and just having to work your ass off and hustle. Now, let's talk about the people that aren't the entrepreneurs, but maybe their lives are impacted by said business owner. From my own personal experience, I came from a firm that I was at for about seven years and I loved it. It was an amazing experience, amazing people. But one thing that really kind of irritated was people at the top didn't know how to manage the company. They had people like myself, the assistants doing a lot of tasks that were inexpensive. It's like, oh, you want to fill out a sheet that a kindergartner could do? All right, go ahead. We're all going to do this. And we were a successful company. Like We did a good job, but like there was no concept of how to outsource and effectively get tasks done. So I know that people that work with me, you know, my assistants that were basically irritated all the time that they were having to do these low value activities, it was getting them burnt out. How could they have put the idea in the manager's head or the owner's head and said, there's a different way? I think number one thing, and I've learned this from running companies and I was also a management consultant is... We don't have enough money for to hire the person we need. That's where a lot of this is coming from. Look, you have bad bosses, right? We've all had them. But when you ask for help, there's no budget. Why is there no budget? Well, because the person's going to cost $90,000 plus benefits, plus mm -hmm. health care, yeah. plus all this. I think people need to realize, let's say you make $65,000. That's not what it costs the company. That's what you get paid. The company has health care, they have benefits, vacation, taxes, companies pay taxes, right? So now it's really like an $80,000 high. It has to come from somewhere. What I would say to the people who are in those kind of positions, if you talk to your boss about the possibilities that have opened up during COVID and say, well, I know we can't afford someone in the same city. I totally understand. But I know there are a lot of people doing things with freelancers overseas. Why couldn't we get a freelancer overseas to help us offload some of this busy work? And instead of paying me 40 bucks an hour to do something low level, why don't you pay someone 16 an hour who can do the same task? It saves the company money and then mm -hmm. I can focus on something higher value. Yeah, exactly. Right? That last piece is important, right? Otherwise you're gonna work yourself out of a job. You, you, you gotta make sure you have that strategic component, otherwise. But I'm assuming, Lee, in your situation, people needed to spend more time on those strategic things versus the tactical things. Well, yeah, I mean, on a management level, like we were in a little bit of a disarray, I would say. And it just didn't make sense. You know, you had me filling out silly forms. You had the assistants even doing things the assistants really shouldn't have been doing. But the whole concept of what Matt was talking about, like that $80,000 hire, that's the only thing they could grasp. 
it was like, oh, if we bring on any person, it's going to be 80000 You want another assistant? It's going to be $80,000. They couldn't get beyond that. They didn't realize that there was another way. Some of that comes from, I think, in the U.S., and this is just everything's like we're special. And we have the best people. No one, there's nowhere else in the world that has good people. It's not true. It's just not true. And like, yeah. not even close yeah. to true, right? And there's there's mean, no data that tells us that. <laughs> there's no data that tells us that. On so many levels. <laughs> you could make an argument right now. The U.S. has very stupid people. Yeah. I, listen, I'm not going there. But all I would say is what the data supports is that in other countries, there are brilliant people. And for reasons that have to do with the way the financial systems work, that our currency is worth more than theirs, you really are paying in their currency. You're paying it like what their rate is in their country, not what the rate would be in our country. And so you're basically doing some arbitrage. It's not that the people I hire aren't well compensated. They are, but everything in the Philippines is inexpensive. You think that the person I referenced earlier who ran a 2000 person division, you think he's not compensated for his country? Of course he is. But when you start paying in US dollars and comparing it to like, oh, wait a second, the value is just dramatic. Mm -hmm. It's not oppression. People have said, well, you're oppressing. No, I'm not oppressing anyone. No, you're helping them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I firmly believe, especially given what goes on in the market, I am doing right by my people, right? I, no one can convince me otherwise. I think a lot of managers need to open their minds and it's happening. I think it's happening, but open their minds that there's another way. I'm not saying fire every U.S. person, but when you need help and you can't afford it, or you want really high quality help and you can't afford the level you need, well, you can just think differently. Yeah, 100%. Matt, earlier in the conversation, you talked about scale and the importance of scaling a business. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot in Silicon Valley, right? Like, how do we scale this project? How do we scale this product? How do we scale this team? When you think about scale, when you like, what are like some of the key factors and components that have allowed you to scale all these different businesses? It's something that I struggle with. I might have one random idea, but it's not going to scale to the millions of customers I work at Facebook, right? So anytime we have a product, it's like, how do you kind of juggle and balance your ideas and teams and just the thought and idea of scaling? So I think one of the challenges that maybe you've run into, and I know I have, especially when you start talking, when you start your run your own business, right? Only I can do it. Well, no, that's not yeah. true. Right? Yeah. So I think at every point, so like for me, and I'm literally doing this right now with my virtual assistant business, I had to go through, because all of a sudden it's a high-class problem. We've got a lot of closed deals in the past 10 days, way more than I anticipated. So I'm getting bogged into stuff I shouldn't be. And so I have to, have to take a hard look at, okay, what should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? And then I need to hire someone to do what I shouldn't be doing. It's not just one thing, right? Let's look at LinkedIn. I do a lot of LinkedIn. I cannot manage my LinkedIn, right? I can create content. I can't answer everything. So I need to have a manager to do that. Look, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? So he's like the most famous social media guy. You actually think when he answers people on, oh, maybe he does because he's crazy on a phone 24 <laughs> normal humans, but even him, it's not possible, right? I guarantee if you get an answer from Gary Vaynerchuk on LinkedIn, it's not Gary V. Probably not him, yeah. But that's okay. They can represent Gary V as Gary V and it's fine, right? But mm -hmm. I need to fire myself from that and give it to someone else. Sales, I'm doing sales now, but there comes a certain point in time when me doing sales is a bad thing. And that time is actually going to be very soon. And it's not that I don't want to help people, 
I have to fire myself from sales, let someone else do it. So I'm going through that right now and firing myself from all the things. And then you need to hire people. And then the next question people say, but what if they don't have enough to do? They will. If they have 25 hours a week of work right now, guess what? You're freed up to grow the business. They're going to have 40 within two months. You're going to figure stuff out, right? So Sergio, like you say like, oh, I have all this work, but all this work you're doing, 80% of it, you should give to someone else because it's tactical, not strategic. Yeah. Right. And then I'll have more recruiters, right? And it's like, okay, well, what shouldn't the recruiters be doing? Recruiters should not be connecting with candidates. They should be interviewing. It's great. So now I have to set up a resume screening team. So you constantly think like that and make the people more efficient. Do what I'm doing for myself. You do it for my chief of staff. I'm firing her from my e-commerce business. She was running two businesses for me. Not a good idea. Another way to say is elevate yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I like saying firing because it's more like, okay, you got to really do it, but elevate yourself above that and give the lower level work to someone else. Yeah. I love that. I think get really good at letting go. And it sounds like delegating is huge. It's hard. Yeah. I don't, I'm not especially great at it. I mean, it's hard. So Matt, before you got to this point, you already had a successful company. I mean, it's great that you figured out how to scale. And I think that's phenomenal. I'm idolizing right now your life and your business. So <laughs> kudos to you on that, man. You'll kudos. be there Seriously, soon. I'm, there in, soon, I'm in the trenches, bro. I am in the trenches, but I want to get, I want to be like you someday. But <laughs> before that, before you got to, to where like you're Matt. at, what was it that got you to the next level? What do you think in the way you ran a business helped you become to that level of success where you could say, yeah, I got a successful company before the scaling part. What I would say is, so I got a piece of advice once. This was from my uncle who was a very successful chief operating officer and president. He said to me when I did my first move this business, he goes, you don't learn how to run a business until you run a business. And what that means is, I went to a very good graduate school for business. They did not teach me the stuff I need to run my business. Was it Michigan State? <laughs> it was a University of Michigan. Oh, uh, oh. Lee's unfortunately a Michigan State fan. God, <laughs> I like you. Oh. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Okay, I'll say they're okay. They're, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard Michigan is much better than Michigan State from an academic standpoint and, and athletic standpoint. Well, we're not so good in athletics anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's been a long time. But no, at the end of the day, right, how did I learn how to do all this stuff? By doing it and by failing. That's it. You know, try to succeed more than you fail. You know, have the successes impact more than your failures. And that's how you learn. Look, there are times when I thought I was going to go out of business. I mean, I just use the example of COVID. My industry was made illegal. That's it. You can't have parties. That's just the law, right? You face with, you learn by stuff like that. And then you say, okay, well, what did I learn from this? How do I make it so A, it never happens again, I'm protected. And B, how do I apply in the future to become more successful? And in my case, my VA business will be more successful than my e-commerce business, hands down. In my case, I said, okay, well, what did I learn from this business? And then I just applied it to something else. And that's how you learn how to scale. That's how you learn how to survive and be successful. It's not a rosy path. One of my friends said to me, he goes, oh, you thought your first business was going to knock it out of the park and it was going to be easy. He goes, what are you talking about? Like he's been an entrepreneur for 20 years. Like he looked at me like I was like had seven heads. People always say it's like business isn't a bed of roses. I would disagree with that. I think it is a bed of roses because you jump in there and all the thorns tear you up after the fact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get punched in the face a bunch of times. I mean, uh, gosh, I could talk about that all day. 
I mean, I have some friends who are insanely successful and even you talk to them, they're on their fourth company. This is when it took off first three years. No one would give them the time of day. It's not like this magical thing. It's the 10 year overnight success. I think there was a quote from Steve Jobs and it's, you'll find that most overnight successes took a really long time. And it's yeah. true, right? Yeah. I mean, and this is a guy who was, is still one of the greatest technologists we've ever had in a bazillionaire. And he's telling you this. Yeah. Amazon was going to go out of business. Look at Amazon. They were done. Not anymore. There's one thing that Steve Jobs also said that really resonated with me is that your business isn't going to be successful because of you. It's going to be successful because the people you hire. When he said that, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, he's right. You're only successful is the team that you have. And it's impossible to do it on your, it's just, you have to have a team. If you're a solopreneur, there's no way you can get, well, I just want to be a solopreneur. I want it easy. That's fine. You still need someone to offload all the stuff to make your life better. Like I have 20 placements we're placing right now. There's no way I could do this right now. And we're hiring two more recruiters. So now I have my chief of staff looking for it. This happened all in the past 10 days. I have my chief of staff looking for it. I have my recruiter looking for it. I'm going to have my client service executive right now just to get out of this because we weren't staffed up. And then I may even have to like start recruiting, like, which is fine, right? I have to do what I have to do. But I'll be successful when we will hire three, four recruiters. And boom, yeah. like hire great recruiters. They'll do their job. I'll overhire in this case because I learned my lesson on scale. Matt, it seems like the extend your team business is a huge opportunity, right? But what's the end game here? What does success look like for you in two, three, four, five years? Like, what does that look like? So I'd say I've really bucketed into two things. One is September 1, I publicly said this on LinkedIn, I want to have 100 people. So it would be 15 months after launch, I want to have a 100-person company. I think we'll get it, but we'll see. Listen, this all could disappear. Like, it's not stable yet, in my opinion. I want more customers. And then I think in three to four years, I'd like to have 1,000 people. So I'd like wow. to build a 1,000-person company. I think the opportunity is that big. I think that businesses in the United States and really across the world have opened their eyes to talented remote workforce. And I think it's going to change the way business is done. And I just want to be a part of it. And I think the opportunity is massive. The most fun thing, to be honest, is I get to help my clients and just hear stories about literally the same thing. I was getting killed. I was working 11 hours a day. Oh my God. I don't even know what to do with my time now. Helping my clients be more successful, but I yeah. also get to help people halfway across the world live better lives. And I love it. It's amazing. How can people find out more about your company and get in contact with you? Go to extendyourteam.com slash freedom. If you're interested in outsourcing, that's an outsourcing assessment to see where you are in the journey. And that's really about delegation. At the end of it, you can book a meeting with me or you can go to the contact page at extendyourteam.com and book a meeting with me directly or reach out on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on our show today, man. We loved having you. You threw me for a little loop on that great graduate education from Michigan University. But besides that, your interview is phenomenal, man. Yeah, great job, man. This has been great, sir, Jeremy. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys. You guys have been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. 
Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.